Hello there. You are listening to At The Well, the weekly Bible podcast that helps you see yourself in the stories of scripture. I'm Jarrell. I'm Charles. And I'm Eli. And we're delighted that you're joining us for this week's discussion. Happy Tuesday, gentlemen. Cinco de Mayo Eve and incidentally Star Wars Day. So we've got a lot lot running running into this episode. How do you feel about Cinco de Mayo and or Star Wars? May the 4th be with you all. Um, May the 4th be with you. I love it. You know what May 5th also is? What? Uh my sister's birthday. So <gasps> Which one? Birthday Elizabeth if you're listening. <gasps> happy birthday Elizabeth. Happy birthday after. <laughs> right. Happy birthday Elizabeth if you're listening in June. Oh right. Never mind. <laughs> The timing is not great on these things. <laughs> it's a bit weird because I feel like we're just like we're somehow stuck in the past, but also in the future. Like it's a weird middle ground. Mm. We're basically all just Doctor Who. Wish I had seen that show so that I could know. Exa- anyway, sorry, I'm falling flat this evening. Let's keep going. <laughs> we're off to a great start. Well, let's get things started with our question of the week segment. If you'd like to submit a question first to answer. You can email us at three guys at the well. That's the number three. Then guys at the well, all one word and lowercase at gmail.com. So this question is actually a follow-up from one I think we had to open this season, which was what are you looking forward to doing when you get vaccinated or like start the process? So it's been about a month since I think we, we talked about this and things have opened up a bit. At least we've seen each other slightly more. So yeah, let's, how, how is, I, I guess the biggest thing is, Eli, you got to hold your godson. And it made my day. Loved it. Like I loved every second of it. He's a bundle of joy. And so now that that is, now that holding Josiah is off the checklist, well, at least the first time, I will hold him many more times. But I would say that just looking forward to our mutual friends, our mutual buddies, uh, wedding, Michael Kors wedding, and I, I'm I could not be more hyped. Yeah, congratulations, Mike, for getting married like two weeks ago. Again, it's that middle line. Of the- <laughs> oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Congrats, Mike. <laughs> so happy for you. We loved the wedding. Jarrell drank a bit too much, but we all loved it. Or right, so that is me. Are you planning to drink too much? <laughs> Who's to say? Apologies. <laughs> I think I we we're Sandy and I were able to uh, see Aaliyah, who's our our goddaughter, and I'm happy to say Charles can attest to this that the beef between me and Aaliyah has been squashed. It's true, it has been squashed. She is no longer afraid of me. Uh, we are we are good. I walked with her in the yard when she found a stick. Super cute. It was very Super cute. cute. She's adorable. So we're we're good now. So thank you all for your prayers um, and for just keeping. Bringing this issue before the throne room of God, uh, but there's been reconciliation and all is well between me and the not yet two year old. <laughs> it's it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful, thing. A beautiful thing. I mean, Charles. Other than seeing me and Eli's beautiful faces in person more, has there has there been any changes or slight openings up of life now that you're fully vaccinated? Chelsea is, and other people are getting there. Uh a little bit here and there we've had some friends over who are also vaccinated um so that's been very nice um i too am looking forward to to mike's wedding that'll be a really good time um, you mean you enjoyed mike's wedding 
I enjoyed Mike's wedding. Um, it was an honor to stand for him and with him as he got married two weeks ago slash in two weeks. Um, <laughs> um, but no, the I think the, the one thing that I'm really looking forward to is uh, seeing my family who, mm. who we haven't seen in, 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 in over a year. Um, and for them to meet Josiah, for them to, to, to spend time, actual time with Leah, um, it'll be good. And, and that's coming up in probably a week from when this, when this airs or <laughs> after when my sister gets married. So have, congratulations, Corey and Maria. As well. <laughs> we just need to start projecting like things onto these future events that have already happened by the time this comes out yeah mike had a great wedding did not expect him to wear a red suit who would have thought didn't think that was his style but you know it's his day so what are you gonna do oh goodness thank you listeners for time traveling with us um but we will go from that into (laughs) our verse for the week remember this is our bible study of first john back to basics we've had a great time going through this book verse by verse and are excited to get back into it today. So this passage is from 1 John chapter 3, verse 11, verses 11 through 24. If you have your Bibles and you aren't driving, you can start turning there now while I set the scene. What does it mean to love your neighbor? And what does love of neighbor or lack thereof say about our relationship with Christ? John continues to challenge readers to examine whether or not they are abiding with Christ, considering how well they love those around them, by considering how well they love those around them. He closes this passage by summarizing chapters two and three with reminders that everything we do to keep the Lord's commandments is an expression of our love for him. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother, And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers righteous. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall reassure our hearts before him. For if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him as well. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Gentlemen, what can we learn from this passage that ends chapter three of first John? So uh, one thing that I read immediately and it tripped me up almost for, for a second though. Um, 
this, so you've heard from the beginning well, that we should love one another. And my immediate question was, well, when did we hear this message in the beginning? Because I was thinking of in the beginning as Genesis in the beginning. Um, and upon reading the notes in my Bible, praise God for citations and notes. Um, but like sometimes in the beginning can mean Genesis in the beginning and other times it refers to Jesus's ministry, beginning of this new covenant with God through Christ in the beginning. Um, and so that points back to John 13, 34 through 35, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another by this. Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And so there is this like, like John is, if you haven't guessed it yet, is hitting at home consistently um, trying to, I love the fact that this is named back to basics because it really is him bringing this, the disciples he's writing to back to the basics of Christ's ministry while he was here. Um, and so like, I think for us today, um, the part of the church that dwells in, in the United States, and this is my mindset where I am right now, especially after 2020 and 2021, where we are, um, I think the church in the U.S. is struggling so much uh, because too often our love isn't radical our love isn't as godly as it's called to be our love isn't as sacrificial as it's called to be it's preferential and too often looks like the broken love that everyone else offers and so like this is like a real shot in the arm of people will know me by the way that you care for like not not by how you like proclaim your love for me because that can be fake but like if you love other image bearers like, and if you love specifically other believers, like, and I think that I know that challenges a lot of the divisive energy that's going around in between and amongst the church right now in America. That's where I am at. And that's what I think that we can pick up on from this letter. That's a lot of what I was picking up on as well. Um, verse 16 explicitly says we ought to lay down our lives for another we ought to love one another and one of the notes that i was reading says that this that particular verse is calling us on to a living martyrdom is the words that was striking to me a living martyrdom which is uh is indicative of a lifetime of service for the love and benefit of others and i think you're you're right if we think about as I think about the idea of a living martyrdom for the benefit and service of others, showing others love, I'm certainly falling short of, of that bar. But if we look at, you know, the past two years, and I'm sure that this is, this has not just been the past two years, but this is uh, a reoccurring issue in human nature. We fail um, so often to emulate what Christ did um, in his ministry, as you said, Eli, and we fail to live out this living martyrdom, which John was just like harping on. <laughs> he keeps coming back to this. Um, and it, it's interesting in verse uh, 14, a very, another very striking passage where we're, we've just been called um, to, to, to be in a living martyrdom, uh, to love others. Um, and verse 14, the end of verse 14 says, whoever does not love abides in death. 
that's it. Whoever does not love abides in death. Uh, I, I, so it's just something very striking there. Um, John's not mincing words. Yeah, John goes, goes very, very hard in this passage, uh, as he does with a few of them, but he particularly, like you said, just kind of puts things out there and is like, yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's that, like the idea of, he says, I think, I think we uh, covered this already, but the idea of like practicing righteousness is what like shows that we are of God. And he's like, in practicing unrighteousness is like your children of the devil is like, oh, okay, John, tell us how you really feel. Um, yeah, he like cuts right to it. And yeah, I agree with you. I think the call of it, like what was in the set, the scene is, you know, what does it mean to love your neighbor? And I, as you both articulated, um, whether it be as individuals or the church at large, there's there's a failure uh, that we perceive um, in loving neighbor. And so I think one of the questions that comes out of that is like, well, why is that? Why is that something that um, the we can sometimes fail in or the church at large fails in? Uh, and I think it's, it, we get an answer here, uh, like in the verses that you all um, quoted, like I think it's in from, 16 all the way through 19. So you start with like, we know love because he laid down his life for us. Like you said, Charles, like a living martyrdom. Um, and then in inviting us to do the same. And then it says, but whoever has his world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? And then from there says, let's not love in word or tongue, but in deed and truth. And I think that those verses, 17 and 18 in particular, are where sometimes we get lost and I think that God speaks or John speaks directly into this idea that, um, you know, loving people is in some ways, it is a very like, uh, it's an intangible like concept, but John is saying here, but it should be tangible in some ways for people who are of God. It shouldn't just be something that you're like, oh, I love this person. And that just means I have good feelings toward them. Or I love this person and maybe I don't have great feelings toward them, but I choose to like be courteous and kind to them, even if that's not true. Like John says really very clearly here, having things for your brother, that um, having the world's goods and not sharing them, uh, loving in word or tongue, like lip service, but not in deed and in truth are things that he identifies as like, don't kid yourself and don't kid God. And so I know what I took away from this is like, let's not, let's not kid ourselves into thinking that love manifests itself in just feeling good about something or like um, thinking good thoughts about people like love should demand something from us. Because Christ's love was something that he manifested in like in demanding his life from him. And so this idea that it's that we can't just hide behind that. And so when we and in different areas of the church that we've kind of talked about off air of like loving people who maybe have been hurt by the church, loving people of different races, loving people uh, who are struggling with sexuality, loving people who are stuck in sin. We miss sometimes the practical loving of those people because I think sometimes we try to box it into like, oh, we just pray for them and that's it. And it's like, no, like, what is the deed that's necessary to love this person? Um, what is the good that you can extend to this person that we're choosing not to? And I think we kind of fall back on um, just whatever is more comfortable for us. And yeah, that leads to uh, to this failure. I've 
rambled on that, but yeah, that really struck me. No, it struck me too. Um, uh, you, you use the word lip service, which is something that I wrote in my, in my own kind of meditation. Um, that's, and, and, in um, the verse in revelation comes to mind where, um, uh, God says, um, those who are lukewarm, I will spit out of my mouth. Cause oftentimes, you know, you Jarrell, you, I think you explained it really well where people say, well, I love, I love everybody or, um, express that love with lip service, with word, um, word and speech. Um, and that can look like a very, a variety of different things. Some say, oh, I'm going to love someone by pointing out the way that they're sinning. I'm going to love someone by, uh, or I, I love in this, that, and the other way. And it's like, well, that's, that's actually not love in action. That's the, and that's what John is getting at. Um, and, and this, these verses are really convicting to me um, because that's not imitation of Christ. Christ didn't just go out and say a bunch of stuff and then say, peace, see you later. No, he like followed up what he taught with action. Um, and, and I think love in action is the antithesis of, of hate and apathy, right? Like there, there, it does demand, a res- love demands a response and it's not just blabbering our mouth in whatever way or even saying, I love you. That feels great, but how? How are you loving me? If we're spo- if we're followers of the Lord, we emulate Christ. Christ loved us by death on the cross. How are we dying to ourselves? How are we dying to each other to show that love? Uh, to be the antithesis of hate. Yeah, as you as you both are talking, yeah, this is this is really cool because uh, this is insanely countercultural. I think the three of us, particularly with our experiences in ministry work and our experiences in, in Christian community together, we kind of get used to um, the term radical love or radical living or like giving all of your life for the rest of your life for Jesus. Um, but like this is insanely countercultural because the cultures of the world are so intensely counter kingdom. Like usually we save the best of ourselves for the people we value most. Um, but God tells his disciples to offer the best of themselves to people who value him most. Um, like this is very much so for a, a call to love your brothers and sisters specifically. Um, and it's because of this relationship with God that uh, because like this is the relationship that you value most in life, exhibiting sacrificial love to the people who share in that godly adoration like that's actually something that that's joyous that becomes a good thing that becomes this new uh standard of of unity and oneness um like being in christ's body means being tied together in a bond of love um and so like what an indictment uh of the way that the church throughout history in many ways has functioned yes the church has still been Christ's body, broken as it has been, but like this is also still a check. Um, I don't know, like verses 14 and 15 were kind of chilling to me uh, because it forced me to check myself. Um, there are so many ways um, where me and just like generally others who can sometimes attend, attend church service who get lulled into thinking like, well, this is the farthest that God has called me to. 
It's like, well, actually, that's that's so far from the truth. Like loving your brothers and sisters in Christ, getting involved in their lives, and not be, for the sake of being a busybody or for the sake of being nosy, but for the sake of saying, uh, I I want to spend myself on you. You are worthy of of my time and my effort. Is a standard by which God evaluates our own hearts and minds, right? Like God is assessing us as we do this. And so, like, what's the degree of love that we're being called to? Well, the degree of love is being called that we're being called to is like, I love you enough to lay down my life for you. I will suffer inconvenience, discomfort, pain, even death to serve you. And that's like not just pretty words. That means like Jarrell, Charles. I will do that for you because we both are are bought by the blood of Christ. And that death to self can mean spiritual dying to self um, that checks selfish ambition. Um, but it also could mean like literally taking a bullet for the two of you. Um, and so who is this intense love for? Again, I, I think particularly in American culture, we like we love to exalt the family unit in a way that's like absolutely cloistered off that says, I will offer my love to only these people and to nobody else. Um, and it's like, yes, marriage is certainly supposed to be exclusive. Um, yes, um, there is like that's that is unlike um, any of your other relationships now, right? You're not one flesh with your friends, you're one flesh with your spouse. But like that does not mean that your your reservoir, like God grows your heart and your ability to serve others in that. And so like uh, it's not necessarily your spouse, it's not necessarily just your parents or your immediately family members. It's not necessarily just your best friends. It's it it is the the men and women who also submit to the cross. And I, I I don't know we we've allowed poison to slip into the well with where we are. I think uh, we're going to talk about this later on. I guess in some Patreon season, but like just the idol of politics has really made a made, more than just a stumbling block people aren't just tripping people are like <laughs> crashing headfirst into this um anyway i'm done but like i i love how john writes in this yeah absolutely I, it's like uh, there's so much ads you're talking about. i was like looking through it again i was like oh and there's this and there's this i'm, tr- I'm gonna try to be concise and kind of open it up to a question um i like yeah i was looking even to the beginning of this uh, this passage in verse 12 and so it's just 12 where it talks about Cain. And it's one of those things where like you kind of read it, at least for me, like I have to read things multiple times to get a lot out of them because there are things I'll read and be like, okay, and I'll just kind of move on. But John opens saying like, the, the herb which you've heard from the beginning is that we should love one another, not like Cain though. And I thought that was so interesting. Because like it's you don't really think I don't think of I personally don't think of Cain very much like even in just like studying script he's not a character that I think about very much, um, but John like cites him here and I'm like well, why, why him of all people and it's this idea that like yeah he killed his brother, and they had some sense they had they were a family in some degree and I'm sure there are many of times where Cain told John like oh John Cain told Abel like oh yeah, I love you like I, I love you and it was just kind of taking it. It's like, it's lip service. And it says, but why, but then what happens, happens. And his passage is, and why did he murder them? Because his works were evil and his brother's righteous. And that speaks to God talking about Cain, like in the ways that he essentially, and I hope I'm not misquoting this if I'm not correcting me, but these, I think there was something to the extent of like Cain holding back um, his best work from God. 
um, and instead and Abel delighted in giving his best work to God. And that's why it wasn't just that Cain was like a randomly bad dude. It was that Cain just didn't delight in giving the Lord his best. And so how much more then we extend this to like the brethren, as John says a lot in this uh, passage, how often do we hold our, like you said, like our best selves back? Um, how do, how often do we not delight in giving of our best selves to the people around us, especially people uh, who are different or have different views in some way. So I thought that was really interesting. And like, first of all, to really consider like the relationship of Cain and Abel and kind of saying like, yeah, if you love and lip service, as Charles said, if you love and just like word, but don't actually have righteous actions to demonstrate it, then yeah, you're kind of like Cain and <laughs> you're paying lip service to your brother while also being very content in acting toward them in a way that maybe isn't murder in the sense that we see it, but is a holding back of like righteous actions toward them for their own good. And that's what John is calling out here. And so I guess with that, like we've kind of, we've alluded to uh, church hurt, which probably be a, another Patreon season. Uh, we've alluded to race, we've alluded to politics, but I guess what are some practical ways in which we actually love in the way that John is calling uh, the body to? Like when we identify issues or ways that we've seen this not done well within the body, how do we get past the lip service? Like let's actually name some things and speak into like, well, this is how we don't love like Cain in this, this, um, this avenue. This is how we love in the way that Abel did by lovingly and willfully giving his best to God and in us giving our best to his kids. So what are, we, what are our thoughts on that? Uh, just to rattle off a few, I think, like, in terms of offering your best, let's say going to church and not just showing up simply to be fed yourself, but also interacting with the people there, like maybe even seeking out somebody who's sitting alone and by themselves. Maybe it's driving an extra, you know, uh, driving a long period of time to serve someone who can't, um, who might be elderly and might be forgotten and might not have access to whatever service is going on. Maybe it's um, maybe it's serving somebody in a meal train. Maybe it's spending uh, a little low cash, a little green on somebody. Maybe it's um, I don't know, like just not just breaking the bank, but like learning how to do a, a little bit of uh, bending over backwards for people, just helping them in everyday needs. Those are really great, Eli. Um, the first thing that I thought of might be seem a little strange, but um, I'll call it the ministry of listening, which doesn't seem very practical or or like active. But I think when done correctly and well, it actually can can be a way to to love and serve the brethren, particularly in the areas or with the people whom we hold differing views on, which in today's uh, day and age is a, is a lot of different areas, whether it's uh, ways we engage certain areas of, of life, um, differing views of, of things in the church or politics or what have you. Um, <clears throat> but the ministry of listening and, and just showing love and deference, um, uh, being empathetic, seeking to understand rather than to be understood, um, I think is something that the more 
I encounter these kind of situations and think about it and 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 hear from other people, the more I'm realizing that, you know, actually a way to love is to take a step back, to be humble and say, like, well, I don't have all the answers. I am not, I don't sit on the throne of judgment. <laughs> That's not my place. But one maybe I can understand this person and seek to understand where they're coming from. And they're going to feel loved just by me asking questions and not uh, pontificating about something or, or uh, pointing out the ways that I am right and, and the other person's wrong, um, but being a good listener and seeking to, to understand, not to be understood uh, and being uh, being satisfied with that. It's like, I just want to understand uh, and, 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 and leaving it at that. And I think that's one way of actually showing love. For sure. I think that the art of listening and listening well is something that like, it can't be overstated how important that is. Um, and it ties in like, I've had a few, but one of the ones that I thought of mostly was the idea of like leading with compassion um, and I think, like you said, Charles, in a very, uh, it, the church is divided in a lot of ways, country is divided in a lot of ways. It's, there's very much a like spirit of division in just society and culture today. And so I think if we're going to be an instrument of healing that uh, in the name of Christ, then we have to lead with compassion the way that Jesus did. And like, there's a, I don't know where it is, some, somewhere in the Bible, uh, Jesus, like, talks about being moved to compassion for crowds of people that were like coming to him uh and, and it says something to the effect of because they were like sheep without a shepherd um in jesus like that's one example but jesus like brings that compassion into his encounters with people who he sees as like divided by societal differences divided by very physical things people who were sick or lepers or lame or blind or whatever it is people who were caught in sin uh, like we talked about the woman caught in adultery, the woman at the well, Zacchaeus, like Jesus led with compassion um, and with a desire to make right the division between people. And I think that to your point, Charles, sometimes there can be this rush to judgment, this rush to say like, well, this is why I'm right. And like, I know I can do that. We did a whole episode about how we don't want to love like Jonah and just kind of rush into like, no, but God, they need to be smoked. And so I think that in a culture that normalizes that kind of uh, aggression or frustration, we need to posture ourselves to desire compassion and to like live it out in a way that's like, yeah, I actually don't want to just smack you down in an argument, or at least the part of me that I want to lead with doesn't want that. Um, I don't actually want you to, uh, I don't know, experience like, shame for things that I see are wrong I actually just want you to know truth and I actually just want to even in disagreeing with you like sh give you show you the same dignity that like God would have me to show you um so I think leading with compassion remembering people are people and their image bearers of God that like when we have disagreements with some people with people it's a beef that we have with God's kids um helps us to keep that in mind um I think another one, like, like, you know, you mentioned, like, uh, I guess of time and, uh, and uh, financial as well. 
I would say, yes, absolutely. Like use your funds for kingdom work, but also don't just throw money at a cause. Like, I think sometimes there's a sense of like, uh, within churches, it's like, oh, this is a pretty serious thing. We'll just, and not say that donating is a bad thing. Uh, donating what you can is great. But I think that if instead of actually, like we said, listening and understanding the issue, we just kind of throw money blindly at things, then we're also not offering maybe what was being asked of us, which is time, which is empathy, uh, which is compassion. Um, so not like not being cheap <laughs> for kingdom work, but also not using money as a way to just not do the work. Um, and I think lastly, there's, you know, I, you all know, you both know, I've been doing some stuff within our own community about race. I think that one of the the tips I've given, I've given, and um, I think is important for everyone is to not compartmentalize other people's pain is their problem, but to live out living martyrdom by allowing yourself to like enter into suffering with people. And that doesn't look the same for everybody. Um, but I think that, you know, when we think of issues like racial injustice or poverty or things like that, it can be easy to say, oh, well, that's like, that's their issue. But what we need more of is people in the church to say, like, no, that's our issue. Because that's the dignity of an image bearer that's being wounded. Or that's like uh, an image bearer being taken, taken advantage of in some way. And so I think specifically choosing to make other people's pain your pain and like your problem is a way that we unite with the heart of Christ who made our pain his problem. Um, so yeah, I think those are, there's a lot more, but those are the first like three that come to mind. <laughs> Amen. You better preach. Well, 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 that's all for this week. Thanks so much for listening. You can check us out at atthewell.podbean.com. We upload new episodes every Monday on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. You can also connect with us on Instagram and Facebook by searching Three Guys at the Well. And if you want even more content and would like to help this podcast grow, consider becoming a patron and head on over to patreon.com forward slash at the well for exciting new bonus content like our recurring Jesus in the movie series and our brand new series on justice. So head on over if that interests you at all. Until then, I'll talk to you next week here at the well. <laughs>